Hi, welcome to the Amusia Story Podcast. I have always felt there aren't enough stories about cavemen. <laughs> if the human species goes back at least 100,000 years, and written history goes back at most 10,000 years, that's 90% of our time on this planet that we just don't talk about. I know there are a lot of stories on the sort of Encino Man, Polly Shore template, where somebody is resuscitated from the ice and encounters a modern culture. Uh, what was that? Uh, unfrozen caveman lawyer, Phil Hartman. But not so many that look at prehistory on its own terms and in its own time. At the risk of going out on a limb and coming up with something corny, I wanted to try. The first corniness pitfall is to have to name your characters. Grok, Grack, and then it sounds like a Far Side cartoon. So I stole most of the names I used from books that already exist about caveman times. Uh, the Inheritors by William Golding, Clan of the Cave Bear, Quest for Fire. This is a story about war and extinction, so there are things in it that are not nice. Nothing explicit, but just setting an expectation. Anyway, this story is officially titled 32,468 BCE, Base of the Vicellian Glaciation Range. Lok and Ulam made their way down the wide hunting trail the time and use had cut into the ice. That trail rose over a wide slope of glacier to connect the settlement with a range of open steppe where mammoth, rhinoceros, and smaller game could be stalked. Hunting was good there, but they say generations ago the herds of mammoth were as numerous as steppe grass itself. Small groups or even pairs could go out hunting for reindeer or bison or auroch like they had just killed. Smaller game, not even expecting to come close to a mammoth they could run down and corral. Killing a mammoth was a special occasion now, a feat of the village. This was a regular day. Shouldering large skin sacks of the steaks they had cut from the felled cow, Loke and Ulam hoped to make it to the settlement in time to fetch their child, and maybe some other kids, to go back with them to the Orak and make a fuller butchering before scavengers picked apart the carcass. Loke and Ulam walked briskly, happily, ready to put some of this meat over a fire and taste the results before heading back for more. They could already see the curling smoke of the settlement's hearth fires up ahead. Smoke. Smoke upon smoke. They doubled their steps. This wasn't looking right anymore. So much smoke. Loke, stunned, let the sack of meat fall to his feet. Ulam stifled a cry. It was the dogmen. Smooth, small men who normally kept south. Odd strangers with odder language who hunted in collaboration with wolves. In the time separating morning from noon, they'd overrun the settlement, put every home to flame, and were already down there now, casting through the remains. Bodies of their brothers, mothers, cousins stacked by the cave mouth. Flames had eaten out the hide walls of the homes, leaving blackened spines of mammoth tusks jutting from the earth like wailing arms. And down there somewhere would be Lok and Ulam's own child. There was only one thing Lok could do now, and that was to come screaming down the grade, axe in hand, to kill every one of these men. Ulam knew what he had in mind. She took his arm and turned his face toward hers. They'll kill you and I'll be left alone with them, carrying their children, and not yours. Then down the range there was shouting. The dogmen had already seen them. They turned tail and beat a streak back up the hunting trail as fast as their legs would carry them. The village of Crabern was more than a day's hike away. Normally the people of Crabern were the settlement's rivals in hunting, sometimes their enemies in war. But they were hardy people, like the people of the settlement. Their language could be understood. They were cousins of a sort, and would be as appalled to hear of a massacre as Lok and Ulam were. They would return with them, dozens strong, and put these men to blade and flame. Lok was fortunate Ulam had stopped him. This was such a wiser course. 
the sting of cowardice was outweighed by a real hope of revenge. They were scrambling up the hunting trail and right into the glacier ice. But in this very hardship was their hope. Dogmen are slighter, cold-natured, hairless, more in need of furs and fire than hardy people are. Dogmen hide behind their wolves. They've got technique, but no toughness. Ice is where Loke and Ulam could seize a lead and never be overtaken. Well, at least not by dogmen. It is hard not to be overtaken by a dog. However, tamed wolves are noisome, unsubtle monsters, slavishly yepping communications about everything they do. This made it easy for Loke to turn himself around the corner of a rock face, spend a blessed moment regaining his breath, and know just when to spear one of the dogs clean through its breast as it rounded the turn. Another dog steps behind the first. He had a rock for its snout, and no one in the settlement throws a truer stone than Loke. Two dogs down. Twice more they pause in their flight to attack the pursuing dogs. There was little more barking to be heard behind them. But the dogmen had gained ground, and were as determined as ever in their chase. Logan Ulam hit a rocky crest and scrambled over. Ahead of them would be a small washout basin with a canyon in the ice at the far side. If they could sprint across that basin, the canyon's rise into the next set of peaks should probably put the dogma behind them once and for all. They hit the flat of that basin and ran harder than they ever had yet. A rock hit near his legs. He thought he heard a spear thump into the ground behind them. The dogmen were pausing to do this, to throw and to shoot. It held them up, it put them behind. And then she went down. Ulam. It was square in the back, a deep spear strike, and in her tumble to the ground it looked like she broke an arm as well. If she wouldn't bleed out before nightfall, she had a wound that would turn green and black in the next days and kill her. Their eyes were locked as they panted. They won't have me, she said. I'm just gonna die. Keep going. You will make it. I love you. I'm sorry. He said and ran. But why? Best to turn back at them now and die fighting. But what use was there in this either? He was exposed in the center of the basin and would be speared to death before he could reach the first dogman to attack. Loke hit the cover of the canyon and kept running. He would either convince the leaders at Krabrin to come back and fight with him, or he wouldn't. He knew what Ulam had hoped would happen at Krabrin, but he was not as optimistic as she. Loke had fought against the Krabrin. He respected them, but they were careful. As likely as not, his news would only encourage them to shift their hunting routes even further north. And now he had no life but to go beg to live among them? Loke stopped. He turned. He felt the heft of the axe in his hand. I will stand here, he thought, in the canyon, and I will die fighting them as they come. So that was kind of a parable about the extinction of the Neanderthals. Therefore, it couldn't have a happy ending. Rather than bog down the end of this podcast with some of the readings I had done that I tried to incorporate into the story, uh, I will put up links about that stuff on our podcast blog, which can be found at amusia.org.